0: Okay, we're going to finish up the Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17 tonight, and we're going to look at the third part. Remember, when we started off, this um, prayer is typically divided into three parts uh, by commentators and by folks who are working through the chapter. And the first part of it is Jesus is praying about himself and his relationship with God, and, and that he would be glorified, and that he would be able to glorify God. And then in the second part, he turns his attention to his disciples, and he's praying for them and the tribulations they're about to face, and that they would be energized for their ministry, and that uh, they would be um, uh, 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 kept and just as he's been keeping them, that God will continue to keep them, and, uh, and he prays for them. And now the last part of this um, chapter, he turns his attention uh, to us, He says, uh, not only for them, but also for all those that will believe uh, from what they hear from these disciples. And so we're going to look at this next uh, section of Scripture here. And we're going to start in John chapter 17 and verse 20 and read through the end of the chapter. So again, this is Jesus praying. This is, uh, again, right before he's about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, not shortly before he's betrayed, shortly before the cross. And so that's kind of where he's at Uh, in in his ministry. He's coming to the end. He knows what lies ahead of him. And his heart uh, and mind is uh, on his, uh, again, what he's doing for God, completing the work that God's called him to do. He's being obedient like he said he would. And then about those that are going to be left behind after he leaves. So verse 20 says this. He says, "I uh, I do not ask on behalf of those alone. And that's referring back to the disciples that he just prayed for. But for those who will believe in me through their word, and that's us, right? Anybody in here part of that group? For those of us that believe through the word, that they may be one. Even as you, and he gives an example, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. And here's the purpose of that, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22 says, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23 says, I in them and you in me that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you have sent me. And love them, Father, even even as you have loved me. Verse 24 says, Father, I desire also... Uh, I desired that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you. And these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love which you, uh, uh, which you loved me may be in them and I in them. And so again, Jesus is pouring out his heart, and he has a desire and a wish for those that are coming behind him, that are going to place their faith in him, that they come to an understanding, and they come into relationship with God the Father on the same plane and on the same scale that the Lord Jesus Christ is with his Father. And so Jesus prays to that end. And so uh, he's not just, again, praying for the disciples. He's praying for all of us. So what we studied last week where he was praying for the disciples it applies to us because he says, not for them only, Lord, but for those that will believe also after the fact. And so he's praying everything that he had prayed earlier in, in the earlier part of the uh, chapter. In, in chapter, I mean, verse 12 and verse 15. Actually, it's verse 6 through 19. Everything he had just asked the Father for previously in the relationship to his disciples, he now includes for every believer. The prayer for pres- uh, preservation that he prayed in verse uh, 12 The prayer for protection that he prayed over the disciples in verse 15. The prayer that he prayed for sanctification over the disciples in verse 17 is both for the disciples and for all believers. And so we need to understand, as as the Lord lays out his heart in this prayer, what he's praying for is for 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 you and I to have... Uh, again, God's God be, uh, to be at work in our lives in these specific ways. And so that's an encouraging thing for a believer because to know that God is at work in my life, God, that, God has, that the Lord has prayed for me that God would be at work in my life to preserve me has had an impact on my life because God has preserved me and he's preserved you, hasn't he? The faithfulness of God is demonstrated in our life and how he preserves us and takes us through the trials and tribulations and testings of our faith that we encounter as we go through our spiritual walk. And, and uh, the Lord prayed that that would happen that we would be preserved no matter if the world uh, attacks us for our faith and our belief, no matter if the, the culture rejects us, no matter if uh, you know uh, might you know, working with my dad down in Mexico when I was a kid, there were people who would get saved and their family would throw them out of the house because they were Roman Catholics. And now, now they had placed their faith going to a Baptist church and, and placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their family would reject them. And that was happening in this day and age with, with early Christian believers who were coming out of Judaism, and we've talked about that a little bit before. And they would come to place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and then their family would shun them because they were no longer practicing Judaism. And so, again, that was happening to these folks back then, as it's happening to us today. And the Lord looks down through the annals of time and sees that, uh, that, that, that there is a need for us to be preserved and for, for us to be kept. And he prays and asks God for that. And for our protection. And not only for our protection, but for our sanctification. Remember, last week we talked about that. Our sanctification is, is about being set apart for the things of God. Jesus prays that those who believe will set themselves apart and will be set apart by the power of God in their life for the things of God, for what God has called them to, the purpose for them. And again, we talked about last week that, you know, Jesus said, or the Bible says in another place that we're not our own. Don't you know that you've been bought with a price and then therefore, because of that fact, glorify God in your body. And so again, uh, the Lord knows that that's the purpose for, for us as believers that we're to be set apart for the things of God. We're to become new creatures in Christ Jesus, right? All that old lifestyle that we used to live is supposed to pass away. And behold, all things become new. And so sanctification is that process of being set up aside and set apart unto those things that God has called us to and purposed for us in our lives. And so Jesus prays to that end to the Father that the Father would, again, work in our behalf in that area of sanctification just as he did for the disciples, so again, just as his prayer for the disciples was based on their faith in him, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ brings us into this prayer, right? And again, he said earlier, he said, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for those that, thou, that, that you've given me, Lord, right? He's praying for his children. He's praying for, uh, for uh, his elect. He's praying for you and for, for me in this, for, in this prayer, And and so, again, it's specific to us. It's specific to believers. It's specific to followers of Christ. It's specific to those whom God has called and chosen before the foundation of the world. And uh, again, he's praying on our behalf. And so, it gives us great comfort. Uh, uh, So, again, just as he was praying for his disciples based on, on their faith, he's now praying for us based on our faith. And we're included in this prayer because of our faith. This faith stems from God's disclosed revelation of himself by the Son of God and through the Word of God. And so he mentions that in our past texts of last week and the week before. Uh, you know, uh, again, uh, uh, our faith comes from the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and then hearing by the Word of God. And what, what are we referring to when we're talking about the Word of God? It says the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Talking about Jesus. And he goes on to say, John goes on to say, And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God. Right? And so again, uh, the word of God is what brings us faith. Right? And the word of God is is, uh, directed through the Son of God into our life. And so again, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Romans 10, 17 says this, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So now he goes into... uh, some specific requests on behalf of, the, of us as believers. We're included because we are believers. And now he gets real specific with what he's asking God to do in the life of believers, which is you and I. The first thing that he asks for is in verse uh, 21. So here's the desires that the Lord has for believers found in this prayer. The first one is this. He's looking for and praying for unification of believers in relationship with God. So he says it this way, he says that they may all be one, right? So the Bible gives us some examples where it talks about becoming one. One of them is, again, uh, in the institution of marriage, right? The two shall, the, one shall leave his uh, father and mother, and they shall be joined together, and they shall become what? One flesh. What Jesus is talking about here is a relationship that is unique, like the relationship of marriage. When he's wanting us to be unified, he's wanting us to come into relationship, into unification with him and with God's plan for our life. It is that we are aligning ourselves to the point where, like a husband and wife, they become that one flesh. When people see us as believers, what do they see? They're supposed to see Jesus, right? When we're called Christians, what, what, what is that referring to? People who follow Christ, right? And so, again uh that's one example here's another example jesus said this he said in my father's uh, uh that you are in my fa- in my hand and i'm in the father's hand and no one can pluck you out of that relationship right so again jesus is describing a closeness when he's praying this prayer that he's desiring to have with believers he's desiring for us to be in such alignment with the things of god And with the word of God, that we look like one entity, right? And so that unique closeness that he's calling for there in this prayer. Uh, The third example he gives us right here in the text. He goes on to say that they all may be one. And then he goes on to say, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So the prayer of Jesus, again, is that we have the same kind of closeness and oneness with him and with God that he has with God the Father and God the Son. That is the Lord's desire for you, that you have that kind of closeness with him, that kind of intimacy with him. And, you know, we have many verses in the Bible that talks about uh, uh, our intimate relationship that we have with God, that God, that God knows uh, our, the desires of our heart, that he takes our tears and puts them into a bottle, that he knows the number of hairs that we have on our head. God is a God who is intimately interested in you and in me. And Jesus is praying to that end. He's like, Father, I want for them the kind of, the kind of relationship that you and I have. That's what I'm asking for these believers they're going to believe. That's the desire of Jesus for you, that you have a closeness to God in the same way that he has with his father. And he goes on to say this. Uh, He says, uh, even as you father are in me and I in you, and he makes it inclusive that they also may be in us. So it's not just that he wants you to have a closeness with the father. He wants you to have a closeness to him. Right, He wants you to have a close relationship with him. And so he's praying to that end here. So he wants this unity. He wants this unification of the believer. He wants this closeness. He wants this intimacy in, in our relationship. And how does, the, how does the unity that the Lord is praying for take place in the life of, of the believer? Well, it doesn't take place on in, by anything that we can do, right? The Bible tells us that our best efforts to come to God look like what? filthy rags, right? We don't have the ability in our fallen, sinful nature to go into a close relationship with the God of glory. We need the Lord Jesus Christ to have that relationship with God and to make that way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes into relationship, right? No one comes to the Father except through me, right? And so again, you know, Jesus, that's a whole point of, of, of why he's here and what he's about to do. He's about to open the door to be the path for you and I to have the kind of relationship with God and the kind of relationship with him that he's praying for and that he is about to go to the cross and die for. That's amazing, isn't it? No greater love, the Bible tells us, has any man than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friend. How more intimate can Jesus be with you and I? He can't be any more intimate. He can't do any more for us. And so it's an amazing thing that God does that. And so, uh, again, by the power of God and the work of God, believers are unified in a spiritual life with God And with his son. It is only through the power of God that this takes place. We can't earn it. We can't live a righteous enough life. We can't pay for our own sin debt. We can't make things right. We can't make restitution. It is an impossibility. And the only way that we can have that relationship. Is through the power of God. And the work of God. Through the son of God. Earlier uh, Jesus prayed in verse 4. He says I glorified you. On the earth having accomplished the work. Which you have given me to do. It is about the work that Jesus did on our behalf, right? And that he's about to do at the cross that we have the ability to have this intimate relationship with God. So what is that work that is being done? What is God accomplishing in our life? That opens the door and allows us to have this intimacy and this unification with God. And and Romans describes that for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 30 says this He says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And he goes on to say, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to to be conformed to the image of his son, right? To come into fellowship, come into the relationship like his son, into an intimate relationship like a father and son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. That's the work God is doing on our behalf to open the door for this intimate relationship. And then he goes on in verse 30 to say this, and, those, and these whom he predestined, he also called, and these whom he called, he also justified. He not only called us to this relationship, he took care of the problem that we had with sin and justified us. That is, an, that is an accounting term, right? And so he is making right what has been wrong in our ability to have a relationship with him. When God created Adam in, 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 in the beginning, what, what was taking place in the Garden of Eden? Relationship. God would come down in the cool of the evening and do what with Adam? Walk and fellowship. Fellowship and commune and have relationship with Adam. That sin broke that, right? Sin broke that fellowship that we had with God. A holy God cannot have fellowship with a sinful fallen man because it is against his nature. It is against who he is, right? It is an affront to his holiness. It is an affront to him as God. And so, again, he... He takes care of the problem. The work that the Lord Jesus Christ is doing that he referred to in verse 4, I'm accomplishing the work that you have given me to do, is that he is justifying us. He has called us, he has justified us, and then he goes on to say, whom he justified, he also glorified. And Jesus is going to pray pray that in his prayer here in just a few minutes for you and for me. You know, it, it, it is not only about taking care of the relationship difficulties in this life because of sin, but it is ensuring the relationship for all of eternity. That's an amazing thing that the Lord is doing for us here and that he's praying that the Father will do for us in the work that he's carrying on. And so uh, why should we be unified in the work of God? Why is it important? And Jesus goes on in his prayer to, to give us that. It's, again, so that uh, the propagation and the continuation of the work of, of God goes on for the glory of God. You know, again, we're not, we're not just saved to go into relationship, and that's where it ends, right? We have been called into relationship. Relationship is not just this one-sided thing where God's doing everything, and we just kind of sit like inanimate objects on a shelf and, and don't participate in the relationship. Uh, Paul tells us that we've been saved unto what? Good works, right? God calls us into the work that he is doing in this world of redeeming man and restoring relationship. Jesus is praying for uh, us to participate. And he goes on here to say that in the last part of verse 21. He says, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So he's praying this prayer for these things to take place in our life and our relationship to be restored and us to be protected and all those things that we've already talked about so that we might participate in the work that God is doing in redeeming man for, for his glory. For his glory. Again, we can't do it for ourselves so the only person that can take the credit, the only person that can get the glory is, the, is God himself, right? And so again, we're doing it for his glory. So we, we are... Looking at what Jesus is praying for, for us as believers, and the first thing was the unification of believers in relationship. The next thing is the elevation of the believer in the relationship. Verse 22 says this, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. That's a hard one, kind of, for me to grasp and get my mind completely around. What does he mean by the glory? Are we are we sharing in the glory of God? Well, to some degree, we are definitely sharing. We we were created in the image of God, so we we innately have some of the glory of God because we're made in His image, right? And and God made us to to again uh, be uh, uh, um, although what's the word I'm looking for to be uh, an expression of His glory in His creation, right? And His power. And, and so again, we're getting restored back to partaking in what we were originally created to be, right? And so God is restoring us in that area. This is this refers to the believer's participation in all the attributes and all the essence of God. See, we again, our sin has broke our fellowship and our relationship with God, where we don't get to partake in the glory of God. We don't get to partake in the, in the glory of who he is and what he is because, again, sin has separated us, right? The work of Jesus Christ restores the relationship to the point where we now get to, uh, to partake in the visualization, tongue-tied, of God's glory. And so, again, it is bringing us back to that point. And so, again... Uh, as a result of our unification and relationship with God, we are changed positionally. We're no longer on the outside looking in in our relationship. Now we're in that intimate relationship that God wants us to be in when we are believers. And so we're no longer on the outside. You know, the Bible tells us that when we're dead in our trespasses and sin, we are the enemy of God, right? And that, that men are hostile to the things of God. And, and that the things of God are foolishness to those that are perishing, Right. And so, again, we go from that position of, of, of not being in relationship and not, and not having the ability uh, 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 to be in the position to see God in all of his glory and to glorify him the way that we can. Because, again, our best works are as filthy rags, the Bible tells us, to he brings us to this point of restoration where now we can. So we're changed position and we're no longer the enemies of God living in rebellion to him. The last part of verse 22 says this, that they may be one just as we are one. So we were on the outside in our relationship, and Jesus is now praying that we become or we come to the inside of the relationship. And so, verse 23, he says, I and them, he goes on to describe what this looks like. He says, I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfected or that's matured in their unity, right? So not just to come into unity, but to come into the fullness of our unity with God. That's what that word perfected means. God has a desire, the Lord has a desire for us to come into this relationship and to come into it fully. To get the full expression of the glory of God. To get the full expression of his love. To get the full expression of all that he is. And to have that in our relationship with him. Uh, and so he goes on because it has a purpose. He says, so that the world may know that you sent me and that, uh, that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. So again, it's about not just a relationship, but Jesus is praying for the intimacy in this relationship. He goes, you loved me and I want you to know, I want them to know that you love them. And so he's asking God to do this. And God did do this. Because what do we know about John 3.16? We understand the level of love that God has for us in this relationship. From verses like that. That we can all quote, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? And so again, that is the full expression uh, of God's answer to the Lord's prayer here. Is that he has sent his son to do that. And so he says... um, Uh, uh, for the glory of God, and because of his love, he, he wants God to answer this prayer. And the next thing he prays for us as believers in this relationship is the relocation of believers in the relationship, right? We've been separated from God. He wants us to be now unified in this relationship. Now he wants us to be unified back into the presence of God. And he prays for us this way. He says, Father, I desire that they also... Whom you have given me, be with me where I am. Does that not give you a little bit of a cold chill? Because where's Jesus right now? Where did he go after he arose from the dead and ascended into heaven? He's sitting down at the right hand of God Almighty, and his prayer is that we will be back in the presence of God, fully restored. Fully in relationship. Fully exposed to the glory of God. No man can see God right now. What, what happens to us if we see God? What does the Bible tell us about that? We can't handle it in our fallen condition. But God is taking care of that situation where we will once again be able to. The Bible says we see through a glass darkly, right? We, don't, we can't really see God clearly. Because of the sin barrier that's in our life. But this is, but then face to face. There is a time in our life as believers. The prayer of Jesus for my life and for your life. Is that we will come face to face in the presence of God Almighty. That's an amazing thing for the believer. Look, if that doesn't get your motor running. You need a new diehard battery or something. Right? I mean that's an amazing thing. And so uh, that's his prayer. That the... Believer in this relationship will have a relocation. Then he goes on. He says, uh, uh, and he prays for one more thing. He says a complete revelation to the believer in the relationship. This takes place. A relationship that includes a revelation of God in all of his glory. Verse 24, the second part says this. Here's why he wants us to be where God is. He says, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. This whole exercise, we sometimes like to put into this little box that says it's about me. The Lord is here to save me, right? And we mentioned this a couple weeks ago or last week, I can't remember. The real ultimate goal of the exercise is the glory of God. God is bringing you back into relationship with him so that you may glorify him in your life here on earth. And in your life throughout all of eternity in his presence. It is about repositioning us back to where we belong in the relationship. And where we belong in the relationship is glorifying God. The Bible tells it to us this way too. That at the name of Jesus, right? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Jesus prays to that end that we will see his glory. And when we see his glory, the natural response will be that we will bow before him. And that we will humble ourselves in his presence. Because we see the glory. And all that he is and all that he's done will be clear. There's no more seeing through that glass darkly. But that face-to-face experience that we're going to have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he prays. He says, he goes on to say. So that they may see my glory, which you've given me. And then he goes on to make another point. He says, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. And so again, part of seeing the glory of God is seeing the depth of the love of God, right? The depth of the love of God. See, we can't, the, the Bible says that eye uh, hath not seen and ear hath not heard what God has prepared for those that love him, right? We can't really comprehend the depth of god's love as finite beings who are fallen in our sinful nature we just can't grasp how much god loves us and how much he has what lengths he has gone to to express that love into our life but there will come a time when we will see the love of god fully expressed and we will understand and that's the prayer that jesus has and I already gave you this verse. It says in verse 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. He goes on to say, Paul says, Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as also I have been fully known. So just as the world has seen me and known completely about me, I will see Jesus and I will know completely. And so there's, there's a time coming for us as believers. So... The next part of the relationship that he prays for is a relationship that includes a revelation of an intimate knowledge of God. So again, we don't see everything about God. We, don't, we can't plummet the depths of his love for us. We can't also understand or have a complete knowledge of God, a clear understanding of God. So he goes on to pray. He says in verse 25, he says, O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you. See, Jesus has an intimate knowledge of the father, right? There is a a relationship there that has not been broken, right? There is an intimate relationship between a father and a son. And so we can understand that because we have father and son relationships, right? Not everybody in this life gets an intimate relationship with their father, but that's not true of this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is an extremely intimate relationship. I'm privileged. I have a very intimate relationship with my father. If you ever see my dad, you will know what I will look like when I'm 78. Right? We, we look a lot alike. We act a lot alike. We think a lot alike. We, we are tutors. <laughs> we, if you see a row of tutor men, we, you know we all came fall off the, fell off the same tree i mean it's just we're just all very similar but my dad and i have a closeness especially since my mother's passed away right we have an intimacy we share things that we don't share with anybody else it's just between he and i right and there's a a high level of intimacy there and that's again what jesus has with the father and he is asking the lord to have that same kind of intimacy once again and relationship with believers that's me and you Right? He wants us to be that intimate. And and he's prayed this prayer now a couple of different ways, but he's really saying the same thing. He really wants us to have this intimate relationship with God that he's praying for. So he says, The world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. So again, he's stating the obvious. They know that 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 you know that, that you sent me. And what has what Jesus been doing his entire earthly ministry? Well, it's capsulated in verse 26. And I have made your name known to them. And it's not just going to end there. It says, and will make it known. So God did, the Lord Jesus Christ did make known the love of the Father. The relationship with the father, the intimacy with the father, all the father has prepared for us. He's, all the promises in God's word that reveal, us, uh, in, uh, reveal to us in scripture. Uh, I mean, the entire Bible is, is God's revelation to us of himself, right? And so again, we have this revelation of God. And, and Jesus said, I've made, I've made you known to them. I have shown you, shown them what you're like. And he says, not only have I shown them, I'm going to keep showing them. Right? And so, what do we have? We again have the recorded word of God here that reveals God to us. That's what we're studying tonight, and God is revealing Himself to us through Scripture. And then, what else do we have? We have the Holy Spirit, right? That speaks to us and bears witness with the things that we hear from God's word. Our our spirit bears witness with His spirit. And so, we have that going on. And so, again, Jesus makes a promise. He says, Lord, you know, I want you to make them known. I've made you known. I'm going to keep making you known. And um, again, Jesus is the only avenue by which we can come into an understanding and a complete knowledge of God. For there is one God and one mediator, right? Between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. It is the only opportunity we have to understand the heart and mind of God Is through the expression of his son. That's the way God chose to do it. Why did he choose to do it that way? I can't answer that, but I can tell you that he's God and he has every right to do it however he wants. And he chose to do it through his son. Right? And so that's what he did. And so as we get ready to come to the end here, he says, uh, This relationship includes a revelation of the depth of God's love. Uh, verse 26b says this so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. So he's again praying for the level of love that, that he has with the Father and the Father has with him, and the intimacy and the relationship and the interconnection. See, if we're talking about interconnection with God. Jesus' prayers for that interconnection, that unification of believers. With God. And um, what, what does that look like in the life of Jesus? That he's, he's like, you know, Father, you love me. Uh, you loved me. May, uh, may you be in them and I in them. What does that look like? Well, John 3, 5, John told us this. The Father loves the Son and has given, him all, have, has given all things into his hands. It's an all-encompassing love that God has for his Son. So the Lord is asking, again, for an all-encompassing love... For you and for me, right? The, the other thing that John says in five, uh, chapter 5, verse 20 says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And so it's an inclusive love, right? When you love somebody, you include them in what's going on in your life, Right? When we have a love for somebody, we spend some time with the people that we love, right? Or that we have a relationship with. If there's a relationship involved, it takes time. It takes an investment. And, and, and the, the relationship that the Father has with Jesus includes, uh, again, Jesus being a part of all that the Father's doing. And Jesus prays for us to be a part of what the Father's doing. He prays for us to be included in that same level of love that God has compassion enough to include us in the work that he's doing. And to use us and be a part of that. And so uh, again, uh, the relationship includes a depth of love, like the love that the Father has with the Son. Verse 26b, "So that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them." And so again, we're looking for that full expression of Jesus' love. And again, we've talked about John 3:16, but that is that full expression of Jesus' love. And another good verse, and we'll close on this, is Romans chapter 8, or chapter 5, verse 8. This is the expression of the kind of love Jesus is praying for into the life of of us. It says, but God commandeth his love towards us, or demonstrates his love towards us, in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the kind of love that the Lord Jesus Christ has for us. That's the kind of love the Father has for us. And that's the kind of love that God is looking for from us, right? That same kind of love where we are intimate in that relationship. And it is, is, uh, we are unified in the work of God and the plan of God for our life. We're not living in rebellion to him like a lost person anymore, but we live in obedience to him. And Jesus, and I use this verse all the time in the Sunday school class. So I'm sorry if you're in my Sunday school class and you've already heard this verse a million times. But Jesus said it this way about the relationship. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Right? And so that's the kind of love relationship. That's the kind of relationship that Jesus is praying for for, for believers. So when we go out of here tonight, we need to understand how loved we are. And how much God is working to bring us into close proximity to him. Right? The sin that has separated us is no longer going to impact our life. We are more than conquerors, the Bible tells us, right? Because of him who loved us so, right? And so we have this ability to go forward and live in relationship with God and in intimacy with God that I think a lot of us don't really recognize. We think of God as being far off and distant, don't we? He's in heaven, we're down here, we have to send some prayers up, he sends some blessings down. It's like you know we're doing a, 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 a money gram or something, right? It's like you know, we're going through these motions to have this interaction with God. And the reality is God is very intimately interested in you very intimately interested in you. He is very close, right, to you. He's your God. You have the same kind of of relationship because of the work that the Lord Jesus Christ did on our behalf with God the Father that Jesus has. That's what Jesus is praying for here. That's why Jesus went to the cross here. It is all about you being in intimate relationship with God Almighty. So then we get charged throughout the New Testament to go out and live in light of that truth, right? To go out and live like someone who's in that kind of a close, intimate relationship with God. That's why we get the verse, you're not your own, you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, right? We need to live in light of the reality of our relationship with God. And it's a glorious relationship. It should bring joy to your heart, tears to your eyes. It should uh, compel us to be faithful to God because of the relationship that we have with him. And, you know, the opportunity that we have to demonstrate our love back to God is amazing. It's an opportunity. It should bring joy, right, into our our heart and mind that that we have the opportunity to demonstrate and reciprocate the love of God back to God. Let's go ahead and close our word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for this prayer. Lord, it shows us the heart of Jesus for us. Lord, the heart of Jesus, the heart of God for us. People sitting here tonight. Lord, not just the disciples from a couple thousand years ago, but for believers who are gathered here now. And Lord, may your word be real to us. May we comprehend the depth of your love. And we'll thank you for it. We ask this in your name.